call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at HM.com. Today we talk about pets. Today we talk about pets with Halston. And we talk about his new studio. And it was really awesome. It was really fun. And thanks for coming back. And go to freewaters.com and buy a machine and mechanic house shoes. And there's a surprise guest later in the episode with some crazy antics. <laughs> but thanks for coming back every week. Thank you for watching. Please share if you know someone who could use some frivolous conversation about pets. And um, see you next time. I moved. You moved? I moved. Um, same building though, right? Same building. We moved into a three bedroom instead of a two bedroom. And I have my own studio now. Wait, you still have your roommate? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you happy? I'm so happy. Um, I mean, I have all my guitars hung up right here. Nice. I saw your drum kit or whatever that looks like over there. Yeah. Electric drums. And then, you know, work stuff is over here. And uh, I actually have a vocal booth in that closet. It's all soundproofed with a microphone in there. And, and uh, I have my desk here with all the recording stuff. And I'm just, I'm so happy. It's, it's really a dream come true for me. I mean, it's been years Ever since I was a kid, I've turned my closets into recording spaces and practice spaces. And I've always wanted my own studio or at least a bedroom so that I can have um, a creative space to write and produce and record. And it's just it's just very important to me. And yeah, big time dream come true. And I'm I'm very, very happy. Well, congratulations. Thank you. This is a surprise for me. I didn't know that that had happened. I knew you said you were moving, but I didn't know it was this fast. Yeah, it kind of opened up. I mean, we were looking for months. It was uh, we were looking for a house to rent 
and we wanted a backyard and some space and stuff like that. And um, we have a, a certain budget in a certain area. Yeah. And that means it's going to have to be like a unicorn type situation. Yeah. Like what you guys got in 2008. Yeah. It's not 2008 anymore. So. That's right. Yes, we did. We definitely got a unicorn for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still looking for that, but until then we're going to um, stay here in this awesome brand new renovated with all new appliances and cabinets and everything. It's, it's such an upgrade from the last place. Really? Such an upgrade. Yeah. On so many different levels. Um, the, I mean, the floors don't creak. The cabinets are brand new. The fridge is like the, the double doors or you open it and like it has like, it has a ice dispenser and a water dispenser. Oh like, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. And so, um, but my favorite part is obviously the studio and I, I was in the dining room before. Yeah. And especially with quarantine, it was just getting more difficult to um, work and all of us are there at home working. And so right. it's just difficult. I felt like I was in the way and now none of us are in the way and none of us, everyone has their own space and uh, we have a dining room again, which is nice. crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it just feels like uh, like I can stretch my legs a little bit more. That's and, good. Uh, yeah, I got like a little workout area. I got like, my own couch, and there's another. It's so nice. I'm so <laughs> I'm so very happy. I'm so glad. That's awesome. I can't wait That's to have awesome. my friends like recording in here and stuff. Eventually, one day. Um, That's the main goal, but um. For now, maybe by, the summer. maybe by the summer, we'll all be vaccinated and ay, ay, ay. I really hope so. I do too. Well, I'm glad you got this space. I think, um, especially in today's times, space is invaluable in your home. You know, um, working from home, I, I wonder how it's going to, how it's going to change and how it's going to stay the same after we're all back to where we can be together. Like how many people are just going to go, you know, I'm just going to work from home. I got it all set up. I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm just going to work from home. I think a lot. Um, my, my roommates work, for example, they're going to have the option to continue to work from home even mm -hmm. after because people, some people just thrive in that situation. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I would be one of those people. I mean, I've worked years to be able to work from home. Right. And then I was already doing that when quarantine hit. So it wasn't a crazy transition for me, but for a lot of people, it was the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, not ever leave your house for days is kind of weird. We have sort of, Bert um, had a brilliant parenting moment um, last week. We were um, hanging out with some friends in our bubble and we're talking, they have teenagers too. And we were discussing how much this quarantine has affected our kids negatively. Like Isla has been very depressed and very unmotivated and they have a kid Isla's age who is very depressed and very unmotivated. And we were like, 
I said, Bert, how do we fix this? I mean, I catch her sleeping in class over and over. Like the other day I came in and she was asleep during a quiz. And I heard the teacher said, and the quiz begins now. And she's like this. I'm like, Isla. And she's like, well, I'm in a quiz, mom. And I'm like, no, you're actually asleep. You're not in the quiz, but you're supposed to be. And after that, I said to Bert, we have to figure something out because she falls asleep sitting at her desk. Like it's something's got to change. And Bert was like, maybe we rent an office space. And then Bert went, wait a minute. We just finished a podcast studio. It's being finished like this. This was like maybe last Thursday. It's being finished on Saturday. Maybe they just start going to school over there. So we did that. So yesterday was their first day of Escuela. We've been calling it Escuela. Um, we got two folding tables. There's internet over there. There's a full kitchen. There's a bathroom. Um, and they've been getting up, getting dressed for school, albeit, you know, like sweatpants, but still getting dressed and driving over to the podcast studio and going to school. And I know it's only day two, but they're completely different people. Whoa. Different people. Halfway through the day, I went over with them yesterday just to make sure they got online and and everything was working okay because it was the first day anybody functioned from there. And I just wanted to make sure it was all functioning and that they could actually do school. And uh, about halfway through the morning, I said, how's this working? And Isla goes, so much better. This is so much better. She's in the same room with her sister. They have earbuds on so they can not disturb each other. I don't think there's been any conflict with talking like on the mic at the same time to the teacher. I did come in today and Georgia had moved to my podcast studio because I think they were talking to teachers or talking in class and had to be separated. But uh, by the end of the day, uh, yesterday, Isla was like, this is what I needed. This will work. This is fine. I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God we have that option. But I started thinking, what could people do that may feel the same way? How can you find something in your own space that just shifts your perspective, right? Do you rearrange your dining room so that your dining room accommodates school and now they're in the dining room? Do you carve out a corner of your master bedroom, even though that would suck to give up your master bedroom? Do you carve out a corner so that your kid can have a change of environment? Because I think for Isla, if she went in our dining room, the dogs are so rowdy that it was too distracting. Like our, our house is not an open floor plan, but it's not closed either. It kind of flows one room into the next and there's no place you can kind of go and close the door. There's no doors. So her only real option was her room and there's nowhere for me to put her in my bedroom. I mean, I could have, but there was only two places she could go to close the door, her room or my room. And my room is Bert's home. It's in and out of that room all day long. So, but I was like, if I didn't have that space, I could have overhauled my garage and put her in the garage. You know, it would have taken a lot of work, but I think she needed a completely different environment than her room. Yeah. I, we were homeschooled growing up. Were you? Yeah. I was a homeschooled kid because we were in the military and um, God, I'm so glad I turned out decently normal. I mean, the cards were really stacked against me. I was a, a military, 
<laughs> I was a military kid. I was homeschooled. We were raised super Christian. Oh, have you ever seen uh, Welcome to Plathville? No. It's basically these, it's this family who has like nine kids and they're all super conservative Christians who live in a bubble with no TV, no internet. Harry Potter's bad because it's witchcraft, that sort of thing. Like nothing is allowed, no sugar, nothing is allowed, no secular music. And we had a lot of those rules in our house too, up until about 12, 13 years old. Thank God. But, um, Anyways, they're all very weird kids, very, very weird. And they're like, they don't know anything socially. They don't know any pop culture references or anything like that. And I, I could have easily turned into one of those kids. Wow. Thank God for public school. But anyways, we were homeschooled and, um, and we didn't have our school in our rooms. It was always in the dining room area or, or a, uh, a common school area, like it was meant for school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we were in our bedrooms, it would be, it's too easy to get distracted, too easy to want to go to sleep. Cause that's where you go to sleep and you have fun. Those are the two things that you do in your bedroom. Really? I think. Yeah, I think you're you go right. To sleep and you have fun. So to turn it into a school zone now is probably it just doesn't work, especially with ADHD brains or even the real bummer, right? Real bummer. And you're right. I hadn't thought about it that specifically, but it is about sleep and fun. And now it's about work. Um, it was really just killing Isla. It was just killing her. Um, so again, it's only day two. But I'm hoping this works out. So what was it like to go from being homeschooled to go to public school? It when, was a, when did you go to public school? I went in. Um, so I was homeschooled up until fifth grade. And then I got put into fourth grade in public school when we were stationed in Sicily. So it was. Why, why did I put you in fourth grade? Just, I just like took different tests and I was, my age was right on the cusp of being like, you could either put him in fifth grade or fourth grade. You know, he, he didn't fail, but he wasn't, he didn't really like belong in fifth grade per se. And he would be a really young fifth grader Mm. or it could be like an older fourth grader and just kind of redo that. And I was really glad that my mom did that because school was easy for me. Yeah, totally. Because of that. Yeah, it was. I'm sure. Always just like a titch like a titch ahead mm-hmm. but um you know it was it was wild I, I fell into theater immediately and why do you think that is I mean other than being interested do you think that has anything to do with being homeschooled I have no idea I mean I never watched Broadway musicals on TV or I mean, I guess I grew up with Disney, so maybe that's maybe that's what it was. I wanted to be Tarzan so bad, and then I landed <laughs> landed on Scarecrow. <laughs> you wanted to be Tarzan? Oh my god! I'm not kidding you. I walked on my knuckles for a year, probably. Oh my god! <laughs> Isn't it funny what kids do? You wanted to be Tarzan? 
That's so funny. You actually look kind of like a Tarzan. I do now with my quarantine hair. I know, right? Your hair is something else. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, I I found a, a couple friends that lived in the same housing complexes. We lived like an hour and a half away in a military housing unit, uh-huh. and then we had to take like a Greyhound bus an hour and a half to the military base that had the school on it. Oh. Yeah, it was very, very weird. Every day? Every day, yeah. We had why? to get up at like five in the morning to- but why? Why Why didn't you just continue being homeschooled? I don't, I, I think that my parents wanted us to be a little more socially adjusted um, mm-hmm. and make more friends. Mm-hmm. Me and my sister were, were all we had until we were like, you know, 11, 12 years old. Right. And that's why we're so close today. But I think that my parents were just like, let's put them in public school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy to homeschool two kids either. And uh, my mom did an awesome job. And like w- years later, we find out she actually has a learning disability. No so way. The fact that she homeschooled us for that long with a learning disability and we both have never gotten below a C on anything in public school and everything like that. And I mean, hats off to her because that's, that's no easy task. And I think a lot of people can understand that now that they're homeschooling their kids to an extent, but yeah, I, I'm really impressed with the fact that she, she did that. She has a hard time learning new things and uh, she taught us all about history and she taught basic math and she taught all these like, entry-level subjects and uh it's really 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 cool actually but um i don't remember being like shocked shell-shocked as far as like being in public school i think i jumped right into it and i i kind of thrived um i loved basketball and sports i always played it i was very tall for my grade i was taller than my teachers right out of the gate (laughs) (laughs) no transition there Just there's a picture there's like a class picture of me in fourth grade (laughs) i'm in the back taller than everybody (laughs) even the teacher it's so funny (laughs) that is funny did your sister adjust well also uh she had a harder time making friends um until like high school unfortunately girls can be nasty girls are mean Girls can be nasty little suckers, especially mm-hmm. that age. She always had a couple, but she had a hard time like feeling like she had a place where she really fit in until until high school. She found her groove, and then college, she was she didn't care, and she had a bunch of friends and roommates, and you know it was all good. And then after college, she got married, and now she's got a husband and a one year old. Today is her birthday. I knew it was soon. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. One year old. She's so cute. Oh, I bet she is. How old is Teddy? He just turned three. Oh, my gosh. Turned three uh, October 14th, I think, maybe. Something like that. 18th. Just wow. not not long ago. Yeah, he's adorable. Really cute. We, um, we sent the tour bus to pick up my in-laws. Yeah, how did that go? They got here yesterday. We all got COVID tested as soon as they got here. 
everybody's negative. And um, my mother-in-law said she was really glad she did it. It was a great experience and she will never get on a bus again. (laughs) So I don't know how they're getting home, but it's not by tour bus. (laughs) Um, Al looked really, really exhausted. He said, you know, it's exhausting to sit for 10 hours a day and and ride. It is. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting. They they plan on being here for six weeks. I think it's probably going to be more like eight. But um, it's an interesting moment in time. You know, this COVID is, it makes things really difficult. I wanted to, to talk, I wanted to um, talk this week about people's holiday plans because, you know, they're recommending you have maximum one other household for, for Thanksgiving and that you're socially distanced and that you're outside. Um, and that's what at least the state of California is recommending. I don't know what is happening everywhere else, but that's so difficult. You know, that's really hard. And I, I wonder, you know, Thanksgiving has never been like, you know, Thanksgiving for some families, that's their big holiday. That's the one they can't wait for. Everyone travels in. That's never been my, my favorite holiday, but I know for so many people it is. And how that's affecting people and who's going to break the rules. And, you know, with having Alan Gigi here, Bert is like, we cannot see anybody. We've been functioning in this bubble with a couple other families because, you know, Sandy's husband is in film production and gets tested every two days. And uh, one of George's friends, dad's is also in film production, gets tested every two days. And we don't go anywhere. Bert gets tested all the time. So we feel like our bubbles can kind of commingle because if we were to get it, we would know fairly quickly. Um, and we don't see each other every day. It's maybe once a week. So we felt like for a calculated risk, that was a pretty good calculated risk since everybody's getting tested in their jobs. We, we do hang out with two other families who work from home and don't go anywhere. Um, one family, the dad and the daughter has terrible asthma. And the other family um, don't have any medical conditions, but they, he just works from home, mom, stay at home, mom. So again, it's all calculated. Like we can see these people because we believe and trust that they're being as safe as we are. And we have some proven safety measures where all these dads are getting tested regularly for their work. But now that his mom and dad are here, he's like, that's just not enough. It's not enough. Like if one of us got it in our age group or our kids, most likely we'd be okay. But we can't even risk any of that to to see them. So we are a self-imposed, complete lockdown. Um, I have gotten approval to go to our job site, which uh, I put my mask on before I get out of my car. I don't touch anything. And if I do, I wash my hands or hand sanitize right away. I have a fully working bathroom there. I can wash my hands and I have hand sanitizer in my pocket, in my purse, in my car. And I just try to manage that social distancing as much as I can because I can't stop construction. But it is very um, stressful. We're, I'm very worried about getting them sick. I would, I would feel, I don't even, I can't even... I don't think I could even put in words how badly I would feel if I got my in-laws sick. 
it would just break my heart. Um, so we are really locked down. We have, we were, we have so many traditions we're not going to get to do this year. I always have a leftover luncheon on the Friday after Thanksgiving where we have about 30 people come over and everybody brings their leftovers. And on that day, we draw names for Christmas Eve. So that's not happening. Every Christmas Eve, I make breakfast for dinner. And I have uh, last year, I think we had 50 people. And that's not happening. And we do the, you know, the 12 days of Christmas where we party 12 of the 24 days in December before Christmas. That's not happening. So it's really kind of a bummer. Yeah, what do you do on Thanksgiving? I, I don't, we usually do Friendsgiving here in LA and then we go home for Christmas. Um, Thanksgiving is never really a, a huge deal to us or really our family. I mean, we don't have any games or traditions. We just go over to whoever's hosting it and we just go eat. It's not a huge, huge deal for us, but Christmas was more of a, um, a tradition with both sides of my fam, my parents and uh, now my girlfriend as well. So we had like three, four Christmases to go to <laughs> right. a lot. And now, now we we're not doing anything. We can't, I don't want to go on a plane. I'm too scared to go on a plane. I don't have the time to quarantine on both ends because I just, I have too much work to do and I, I can't risk getting anybody sick and I'm not, I can't take two to four weeks off of seeing people that I work for. Um, and I just, I just, I can't do it and it's too far of a drive. I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. It's a so, long drive. Yeah, we're just going to stay here. My roommate's from Ohio, so he's not going anywhere either. That's too far. And uh, I'm from Oregon. My girlfriend's from Washington. And we're staying here. We're hunkering down. We got a new apartment. We're decorating that, and that's fun. And yeah. that's, all, that's all we can do, and that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so very lucky and blessed that I can buy presents for my family, and I'm going to get it sent to them, and we'll FaceTime or something. But that's what we're going to do. That's what we have to do. You know, I guess what you have to do is take the opportunity to make um, a new tradition, right? Not that tradition has to continue when this is over, but so I guess it wouldn't be a tradition if it didn't continue. But like there was this one year I lived in New York City. I lived in a one bedroom, second floor walk up by myself. And when I lived in New York, it was a big learning time for me. But for the most part, New York was pretty lonely. I had a couple really good friends, but I still felt very lonely, even with my friends. I hadn't really found my, my people, my pack. So I invited this one guy who I was really close to. We were just friends. Um, I invited him over to make a construction paper Christmas tree. <laughs> so we cut out this big Christmas tree and taped it to the wall, all out of construction paper. And then we made construction paper ornaments with glitter and like cotton balls and markers and cut them all out and decorated them all awesome and decorated my tree on the wall. I still have all of those decorations. I didn't keep the tree, but I peeled every decoration off and kept it. 
because it was really special. It was one of those times in New York where I went, I felt like I really shared something with someone. He meant a lot to me. His name was Turner. And he was a really good friend to me. He's from Texas. And um, I've lost touch with them. I tried to keep in touch with them and and it just lost touch with them. But But that was a really special Christmas. So maybe if we can find a way this Christmas to do something like that, that was so simple. And it was cheap because I was broke and it was festive and it made me feel like a kid. And it was fun. Um, and it was just kind of light and cheery. So maybe if we can all find something like that to do for Thanksgiving or for Halloween, you know, there's so many great on Pinterest. There's so many great gratitude crafts. And as much as you may not think you're a crafty person, I guarantee you, once you start doing something crafty, you're like, hey, this is kind of fun. So my Girl Scout troop has been meeting on Zoom since the pandemic. We have not missed a meeting. Well, we, we had a break in the beginning while we were trying to figure out how to make this work. But since we picked it back up, we haven't missed a meeting. And in fact, we did meetings all summer. And um, we have a meeting this Friday. And we are doing a gratitude project that has nothing to do with the badge. It's just about taking a moment to see what you're grateful for. And it's a craft. You know, we're making like modge podging a jar with pictures of people that you're grateful for. And then writing things that you're grateful for in little slips of paper and putting it in your jar. So then if you ever feel really down, you can pull out a slip of paper and go, oh, yeah, I'm really grateful for my dog or uh, whatever you put on that paper. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we as a society or whatever can figure out some little something that makes this time special because it is special. It is a special time. And I guess if you're only spending it with those people, right? In theory, your family, you can focus on your family. Uh, Bert, we finished all our COVID tests last night and Bert was like, okay, let's have Thanksgiving and fight. (laughs) Someone always fights every Thanksgiving. There's always an argument. And I'm like, well, what if we just had a Thanksgiving where there was no arguments and we were just all really grateful to be together? You know, everybody's tired. Everybody's been cooking. They're irritable or, you know, eat too much. And someone inevitably ends up getting in an argument. So maybe this year, maybe we just won't do that. Maybe the current circumstances will make people reflect a little differently. You know, when you were talking about the gratitude thing, I was thinking that it's kind of interesting that some people only think about what they're grateful for once a year. Right. And I think I used to be like that when I was younger. I mean, it wasn't commonplace to constantly be thinking about what you're grateful for um, until Thanksgiving. And you go around the room and you're like, oh, man, I don't even. Well, I guess. um, (laughs) I'm grateful for the turkey and the fork. (laughs) Don't know. Yeah, exactly. All of the, you know, the food that the good Lord provided. Totally. Um, And. I wonder if it's more commonplace now to be more grateful for things more consistently. Mm. Um, At least in my life, it is. I I think that gratitude is like, I talk about this every time we do a podcast together, but gratitude is the most important thing. I I think Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what keeps you grounded. It's what keeps perspective in your life. 
that you are doing well, no matter, no matter where you are in life, there's always something to be grateful for. And I, I recognize my white male privilege as well in that kind of situation. And I just think that even at the lowest points, I was always grateful for something mm-hmm. and I could always look around and, and, and find something. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, only being grateful once a year, only thinking about what you're grateful for once a year is, I don't think that's very healthy, actually. I don't either. I don't think that's a good sign. No, we talk about what we're grateful for every single night at dinner. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we do. What was your favorite part of your day? What was your least favorite part of your day? And what are you grateful for? And what are you grateful for can be that we're not out of ketchup. It can be anything as long as it's something you're really grateful for. But I have two G's I live by, grace and gratitude. And I feel like if I am functioning in grace and I always am aware of gratitude, it cannot go wrong. It forces me to take care of other people, myself, and it forces me to be in present time. So if I ever feel like I'm off, I have to stop and think about the two G's, grace and gratitude. Because those two G's, it's why I named Isla, Isla Grace. Because grace is such an important thing to have and it means so many different things, you know. It means by the grace of God, means something. Grace means someone moves smoothly through life. Um, Grace can be, you know, a a form of gratitude. Um, Yeah, thankfulness. Yes. Um, Grace is manners. Grace is how you treat other people with grace. It just, that word grace is just packed for me. Maybe not for everybody, but for me, that word means, um, it means like you are, like, what would Jesus do? (laughs) I think that's what grace means to me is that same thing. If you're functioning with grace at all times, then you are your best person. So I've never been super religious. So I guess that's, my religion is about being grace and, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Gratitude is, it is a shame. People only think about it maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Like I, that should be commonplace in schools and at, at dinner. I think it's really powerful that you guys do that at dinner. Um, I've been we a really part of look it. forward to it. We look yeah. forward to it. And the girls are like, who are you grateful for today? Who, yeah. who, who, who? They want to be the one that you're grateful for. Um, they can't wait to hear what each other has to say. It's something I'm really proud that our family has embraced because there's a lot of stuff that I do that my family goes, oh, I know. Like I had started doing these spiritual moments, which is really part of gratitude, where we'd be like, well, we went to Australia. And I'm like, we're on the ferry looking at the Sydney Opera House. Spiritual moment. Everybody holds hands and we just say thank you for this moment. Thank you for each other. And it's a way of marking the moment and saying this is not a regular moment. Like this is a spiritual moment. And my kids really hate it. They're like, oh, no. But I think they really do. I think they really do like it. (laughs) it, It's grounding them. Um, it's grounding them and, and, and making sure that they don't take those moments for granted because right. they're going to have a lot of those moments throughout their life, especially because 
they're relatively young um, when success started happening on a on a big scale. I mean, it's teenagers, so they're gonna have a lot of moments like that in their life, and to ground them and show them like this is a big deal. Like this isn't a normal thing that a lot of um, American kids get to do. This is a this is a really cool moment. So that's really important that you're doing that for them. And yeah, they're going to hate it. Of course you would hate it if your parents did it, but, and it's, it probably seems very cheesy to them, but actually it's, it's the same thing as Christians going, okay, well let's pray. Yeah. I it's think like, it is. Yeah. It's kind of grounding them in this, um, this unique and cool experience and having them not take it for granted. Right. That was my part purpose. That was my intention was for them to not take things for granted and to stop and really appreciate the moment, not appreciate like, Hey, thanks mom and dad. I mean, like just be in that moment and really appreciate what you're seeing or experiencing or who you're with or whatever the moment we've had so many of them. I mean, Bert loves it. He thinks it's the best. So we do spiritual moments all the time. If, you know, if, if someone is moved, if he or I are moved in the moment, uh, it can even be just like hiking in LA. But when, you know, you get a certain feeling where you go, this is actually a really special moment. Um, and we stop and make them spiritual moments. So hopefully it's, <laughs> hopefully it sticks with them. So I want to talk to you about something that's goofy. Okay. You ready? I like goofy. How many cats do you have? One. Why do you have cats? Um, I wanted one. I did not like them before. And then one time I lived with somebody who had a cat and it loved me. And <laughs> I liked that love. And so <laughs> when I um, moved to LA and moved in with my girlfriend, we were like, we should get a cat. Because we didn't want a dog at the time. Yeah. And so we're like, let's get a cat. And we did. And we love her. Yeah. What's her name? Zeta. Zeta. Yeah. I love cats so much. Me too. I would be a crazy cat lady if I could. <laughs> Instead, I'm forced to be a crazy dog lady because my husband, although he's allergic to dogs, conveniently, he is also allergic to cats. But no, not conveniently. He is actually allergic to cats. He's allergic to both. But cats affect him a little more strongly. Same. And I'm really bummed. Oh, you're allergic to cats? Yeah, both. You, but you have a cat. I don't care. So what do you do to manage your allergies? I tough it out. Do you have bad allergy? You don't have asthma, though, do you? I don't have asthma, but I do have constant, like, stuffed up sinuses because of the cat and the sneezing cat. all the time. And, yeah, it's, I have it now, even. The cat, uh, cats are the best. And I'm really feeling sad because Gus, our cat, we've had since Isla was one. Wow. Gus was our first pet that we got as a family. I had a cat when I was first dating Bert that, um, that I had to put down when I was about two weeks old. So Georgia had Mufasa, the cat. But I, I mean, I was two weeks old. So the first pet we got after Mufasa died was Gus. And Isla was one. They are the same age, <laughs> Gus and Isla. 
So Gus is 14. And he's getting a little arthritis in his legs. And obviously, 14 is not that old for a cat. But it's not a spring chicken either. And I started looking at Gus going, oh, this is my last cat. Like, there's going to be no kid to go, but she really wants a cat, Bert. She really wants a cat, which is what I did the last time. Oh, you're not going to be able to get another one? <laughs> no, because I suckered him into it because of, of Georgia. I totally used her. Totally used her shamelessly, where I was like, George is really missing Mufasa. I mean, we live in an apartment. We can't have a dog. Not really. And what am I going to do? Walk a dog with a one-year-old and a three-year-old? We should just, maybe just one more cat. I mean, I'll get a short-haired cat and won't be like that because Mufasa was long-haired. He was a Maine Coon, so he had long hair. Um, And Mufasa was a gay man trapped in a cat suit. He was hysterical. He was very finicky. And he, he was always like prissy like this and just tail up and no, don't touch me. Don't touch me. He was so funny. But so, yeah, I totally, I totally used my daughters to get a cat. And I'm coming to the realization that they will be moved out before Gus passes away. And I will not be able to get another cat, which really breaks my heart. I've had cats my whole life. I got my first cat when I was five. His name was Fatty. Yeah, I love the story of Fatty. Fatty, and Fatty had a sister named Skinny. Uh, And Fatty and Skinny. And uh, Skinny was mean. She was a mean, nasty cat. She was very mean to Fatty. Uh, And they were outdoor cats mostly. So Skinny eventually ended up getting run over by a car. Um, So we lost Skinny when I was pretty young, like seven. We maybe had her for two years. But Fatty I had till I was... I had him for 18 years uh, for a long time. He was like my brother and I just loved that cat. And then my uh, Mufasa was the cat I got after fatty because I had fatty. I mean, I was like what 21 or something when he died. So I got Mufasa and then now I got Gus and I'm feeling really sad that he's going to be my last cat. For me, I don't know if he's going to be your last cat. Oh, Bert's not going to let me have another cat. Um, and I would feel bad to force him into it now as this sounds really sad and depressing, but I mean, I'm 50, but it'll be 50 soon. He has allergy induced asthma Mm. and sometimes he's asthmatic and that's just not fair. And when I was 30 something and I was like, oh, we're so young and the kids, you know, if kids are raised with cats, they don't have allergies, which has been completely, I don't know if that's actually true, but neither of my kids have any animal allergies at all. So I was like, you know, it'd be good if we got a cat because then they won't get cat allergies. Well, I got, I've got no, I got no, I got no guns. I got no argument now. (laughs) Hey, would you like to have asthma? Perfect. We're going to get another cat. I'll keep her in the new podcast studio, but on my side only. (laughs) I know, right? It's never going to work. I suck at those kind of boundaries with animals. I don't know why, but I do. But cats to me. What makes them so awesome is that they either love you or they don't. And if they love you, they love you so much and you feel so special, right? Because they're so picky. Dogs are those love anybody. They're just big, dumb dogs. And I love dogs. I have three dogs, but it's not the same. Have you ever had a dog? Yeah. um, I didn't get a dog until I was 15, um, a freshman in high school. We got two dogs and 
I'm 29 now. We we recently just had to put them down and it fucked me up. It did? Yeah, it was really, really hard. I mean, I I took those deaths harder than I took other deaths that were like with people, (laughs) which is so weird to say, but like those damn dogs meant so much to me. Those damn dogs. I mean, 15 freshmen in high school, you know, you go through puberty, you go through high school and then you're an adult. And like, they were with me through everything. Like, parents divorce like dogs there for me like breakups dogs there for me friendships breaking up dogs there for me weird like moving all the time dogs there for me and it's and they love you so much and they're just the happiest little fuckers of all time and like little gilby and little roxy and there's their little chihuahua poodles and they're hypoallergenic yeah oh god i love them so much and they're um they're just the softest, cuddliest little bears. And oh. yeah, we, they were 13 or 14 ish. And it, they were just, their health was declining so bad. And they, they both um, had stopped eating for a long time and they were oh. constantly throwing up and their teeth were all rotted and they were going blind. And oh. we're pretty sure one of them had tumors or, or cancer or something like that. And they were just, you know, they kept throwing up and shitting the, the crates. And, and then my sister was like, yeah, dude, it's just time to put them down. And, and they put them down at the same time. And, uh, it was like, I didn't think that it was going to be that rough for me, but I felt like a, like felt like my childhood was like ended like that. That's it. There goes my childhood in puppy form. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of hard to explain, but he's my buddy, you know, this, yeah. I don't have any friends from when I was 15 really. Right. You know, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that's my buddy, my little Gilby. And it messed me up. It was, it, I was crying and I, I never cry. Like, I don't, I don't really cry when people die really. But when those dogs got put down, I was a wreck. Yeah. And it was really hard to Did deal with that. When they were put down? I don't know. No. They lived with my sister in Oregon and, uh, and so she did all the all that, and I'm I'm so glad that she. I I can't handle that stuff. I I wouldn't have been able to, you know. I didn't want to know. I like don't text me when you're doing it. But they had him come to the house just like Priscilla, and they put him down at, in the house, and you know it was really hard for my sister, and I'm so grateful that that she did that, and um you know she just had a baby too so it was like it's getting hard to take care of those two senior dogs too sure and a new and an infant and um yeah i uh it was a little bit before priscilla so it was like it was so much like dog death it was so hard uh, <laughs> it was so difficult i just don't think we're done processing priscilla even yet i was i could have sworn i saw her in the backyard the other day yeah. And I just started bawling. You know, I miss her so much. She and I had a really special relationship. And the two knuckleheads I have now are awesome dogs. 
but they're kind of knuckleheads. I mean, they're just goofballs. They're so goofy. Um, and I don't know, Priscilla was a really deep dog. I don't know if it's because she had so many knee surgeries and was in so much pain, but I remember her being a pretty deep dog before that. Cause she didn't, her knees didn't start going bad till she was about two. So, but I remember her being just a super deep dog. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I think that when she would hang out and sit next to you and look at you, it wasn't just cause she wanted you to pet her. Yes, she wanted that, but she was also like there. Yeah. Like with you or for you. Like she was there and like present and like this seems kind of weird, but like it was it wasn't she wasn't just there for food and for pets. She was there because she wanted to be next to you. Yeah. And like hang out with you and like kind of read how you're doing and like you know she, I'm I think she was a bit of like an energy mirror sort of person and like the two dogs you have now they're just like guys ah, I know right give me attention give me love I need I, I need to let all this energy out and <laughs> yeah, ball where's the ball where's the ball and where's the ball Izzy fell asleep with the ball in her mouth the other day. I posted on Instagram. She's sound asleep. Oh, I was like, really? That dog is ball obsessed. And she's a really fun dog. She's super fun. But she she is not a lover. Like she's, that's not true entirely. She's very sweet. But that thing you just described, she doesn't do. She doesn't do that. She doesn't sit with you because she wants to sit with you and like be with you. Priscilla wanted to be in my energy. And yeah, she's like a therapy dog. Some dogs just don't have that side to them, whether it be like a motherly instinct or some sort of just general like anxiety dog. Some dogs are just like, just like golden retrievers are a lot like that. Right. Um, I don't really know about bull mastiffs, but uh, yeah, my, my two dogs, my two little chihuahua poodles that I was talking about, they... They saved my mom's life at one point. They just, did? Yeah. I mean, my mom talks about it. Sorry to interrupt your story. No, yeah, but it, no, just that's like, it reminded me. I totally forgot about this. Um, my mom was, at one point, she was diagnosed as bipolar. And she was misdiagnosed. And they put her on lithium. And when you're not bipolar and you get put on lithium, your brain is fried. Like, really? Yeah, you are. She was out of it for years, and she was not herself. Different person. It was. It was a pretty crazy time, and she was like, not wanting to live anymore. And um, she, she's in the backyard, and she's like smoking a cigarette or something, and she's just like, just in a deep, dark, not wanting to live anymore. She was out there for hours in the backyard in a chair, and little Roxy would just. She sat right in front of my mom and she would just put her paw on my mom. Aww. And then when she would see my mom slipping again, she would do it again. Aww. And my mom would kind of be brought back to present moment a little better for hours. Wow. She didn't leave my mom's side. And like, uh, they're just, they're therapy dogs. Yeah. And they... Oh, what a sweet puppy. Powerful. Like dogs are so, so like they're family members. They're really, it's really crazy what dogs do. Um, 
But my sister-in-law, Cotty, who has a three-year-old and a newborn, an eight-week-old, um, and her sister, Annie, Cotty's husband, Mike, they were all in the elevator at their condominium. They live in the same condominium. Annie lives on one floor and Cotty lives on the other floor. And they were going from one condo to the next. Everybody in the elevator and the door opened and a husky was standing at the door of the elevator. No leash, no owner. And they all, uh, Annie and Cotty had their two dogs. They have Havanese, which are like Maltese. They're small dogs, uh, like a Maltese. Um, and Cotty's dog, Charlie, is not dog friendly. She is not a dog friendly dog. They, the, her, Charlie was on a leash, as was Bob, the other Havanese. And this husky walked into the elevator and Charlie let the husky know not, this is not okay. And the husky attacked Charlie. Mm-hmm. And Cotty put herself between the two dogs and the dog bit her three times and bit Charlie. Charlie had um, nine stitches in her neck. Whoa. But you know who, who, who Bob went after that husky. Bob was trying very hard to protect everybody in the elevator. The husky's 70 pounds. Bob weighs 13 pounds. And Bob was like, oh, no, motherfucker, this ain't how it's going. <laughs> and Bob went after the husky. Now, ultimately, Mike, Cotty's husband, like, had to start kicking the dog and got the dog off of them and got the dog out of the elevator. But Bob was like, oh, hell no, this is not, this is my family. That little bitty dog had no thought of his own safety. He just went after that husky to get them, get him off. Of Cotty and I mean, poor Teddy, the three-year-old was just terrified. I mean, oh, that was kind of recently. It was last week. It was last Sunday. Oh my goodness! It just happened. It was Whoa. crazy, crazy. The dog bit Cotty three times. Where? I mean, on her leg. Oh my! God. Um, like from her calf all the way up to her thigh, bit her three times. It was crazy. Um. So, yeah, they, they reported it to animal services because, you know, anytime a dog bites a person, you have to report it, especially in an aggressive manner like that. Um, and even though Cotty was trying to break up the dogs, she, the dog still bit her three times. It wasn't like one bite and oops, that's a person. It bit her three times and bit Charlie. So, but yeah, Bob was like just so protective. Like this is not okay, and I'm going to put myself against a 70 pound dog to make this stop because he's just you know that's what dogs do. Man, huskies are powerful too, and they're that's they're funny. scary when they're mean. I don't know if it was yeah, mean, but man, dang. Yeah. And is not she a small dog? She's okay though. She did she have to get stitches on her leg? They were all punctures, just like straight punctures. They were all like. A puncture with a bruise around it. Puncture with a bruise around it. It was a perfect, like the dog just grabbed her. There was no tearing or anything, which was good. Just like went rink, 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 and then crazy. And even Charlie's were just punctures where he had just grabbed her and and like bit and let and didn't shake or anything like that. Oh, I was gonna say a good thing it didn't shake. No, nothing. Yeah. But but my dog, Priscilla. How many years has my gardener been the gardener everybody has heard at one point in time in this podcast blowing the backyard? Ray has been our gardener for like nine years. Priscilla was nine years old. Priscilla had known Ray her whole life. And if I was not home and Ray came in the backyard on Tuesday, his regular day, 
she would run him out of the yard. If I was home, no problem. She paid him no mind. But if I was not home and Ray came in the backyard, she would chase him to the gate. Till the end of her life, she did that. And I was like, wow, that is a dog that knows I'm not home and doesn't want anybody in here that uh, is not when I'm not home. I thought that was pretty impressive. That's a pretty smart dog. Really interesting. Isn't it? Because I've been over there before to the man cave, to the backyard. Yeah. When I'm not home. Yeah. You guys are home. You guys are not home. Just the girl. Who knows? Whatever it is. And like, she never did that. I wonder why she does it to, she did it to Ray. She did it to Ray till the end of her life. Uh, She, as she, she didn't really care for the pool guy, but she never ran him out of the yard. Interesting. Uh, Ray, um, uh, Roland is the guy who does their pool. And she, she, he was always a little nervous around her because she was like, I'm kind of letting you stay here, but I'm not super happy about it, but I'm going to watch you. (laughs) That's kind of what she did. It's his nervousness. It has to be, it has to be his like trepidation. But Ray was never nervous with her. Oh, really? They would try to get her to let him pet her, and she would just get hair on her back, nasty barking, and he'd finally be like, I'm not. I'm good. I'm going to leave. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a big dog, too. The other two knuckleheads are like, a friend, a friend, a friend. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, my gosh. I went. uh Last week when we did the Bert episode, I was uh, taking equipment back and forth to my car and they were in the living room and I had to walk past the living room window in the front of the house and uh, I had my mask on and a hat on. So I'm not recognizable at all, but I was going back and forth and they they had saw me, but (laughs) I would, I would leave and come back and they'd be in the window like... (laughs) like staring at me and like, they don't really know what to do. And then I'd go into the backyard. They did not follow me back there at all. (laughs) They're funny. But they were making a mess out of the living room. They were wrestling and they. (laughs) You have no idea. We have these two couches that face each other like this, right? And their favorite game is to go couch floor, couch floor, couch floor, couch floor, couch floor. But I mean, but it's so. It's so intense that every cushion is off. And they're not like throwing the cushions off. They're jumping so hard that the couch just explodes. And I'll come home and there's just shit everywhere that they have knocked off. The cat, you can't leave anything on the side tables because they'll just knock it off. This is a new ball game for me. Priscilla was never like this. Priscilla was the mastiff they that came in the brochure. Love <laughs> to nap perfect for an apartment doesn't need a lot of physical activity izzy is not that dog izzy is super athletic she would chase a ball all day long if you would let her she really needs to run that's kind of why you got mac it is why we got mac yeah because i izzy was wearing me out and now she wears out mac mac they'll play and mac's like Oh my God, I need to just lay down for a minute. Wow. And he's only seven months old. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. So she's just so An cool. anomaly. 
<laughs> she's an anomaly. She is not a normal Mastiff. I think she's got some kind of like lab. Uh, not really. She's a full-blooded Mastiff, but she is just so incredibly athletic. Well, so much for getting her so that Priscilla could train her. To Priscilla was like, you're on your own with this one. <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I can do a little bit for you. But you're pretty much on your own. No, no, Priscilla did not rub off on her at all. Not at all. None of it. Izzy is very much her own dog. Um, but animals are so fun. They're so enriching. And if anybody's feeling lonely and you have any means to afford a dog, now's the time, right? While or a cat. Or a cat. Cats are I, cheaper. My roommate tried to get a, a dog here and they were all out. Like Yeah. The shelters were empty. That's like, awesome. That's fantastic. I hope it stays yeah. like that after the pandemic too. Me too. But yeah, like you were saying, dogs are so, dogs can be life-saving for real. Like, they can. I mean, I didn't know that I had depression when I was younger, um, but the dogs helped with that. Mm-hmm you know, going to bed and like, if you're having sleeping problems and like, they kind of keep you in one spot and they like, they're there with you. They lay on you if you're especially upset or something like that. And like, Oh, I would talk to Gilby when I was a kid. He was my little teddy bear. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm going to get a little Gilby tattoo or something like that. You should. A little cartoon version of him. He sounds really special. Yeah. He was my, uh, just like your your fatty, my fatty. He was my fatty. He was my fat Thomas T cats. That's his <laughs> fat Thomas T cats. And I thought he was a dentist. In my imagination, fat Thomas T cats was a dentist, and he lived on our roof. And his office was on our roof, and he he uh, took care of all our neighborhood cats' teeth. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I was only about six, so it's a good imagination. But that was his full name, Fat Thomas T. Cats. And T stood for D. Fat Thomas <laughs> T. Cats. <laughs> and I spelled it K A D Z. So apparently he was Jewish also, even though I did not know a Jewish person and did not know K A T Z was a Jewish spelling. I thought it was cool to spell it K A T Z. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Cats <laughs> is too like Broadway, you know what I mean? Like, it's too broad. You, you need it with a Z, like X Games. like Exactly. Yeah. So Fatty, Fatty weighed about 30 pounds. Yeah. His head was like this big. No joke. I don't know what kind of cat he was. He was a tabby cat. But his mom's name was Albatross. <laughs> his mom was a um, dark tabby. Like, I don't know if we call it black or brown or... It's just a, a, like a dark gray, black striped tabby. And she was so mean. She was the meanest cat. She, you couldn't catch her. She was feral. Uh, and Fatty was feral and we got him. Um, but Albatross was famous for beating up all the dogs in the neighborhood. So if a dog, no matter what size, came in my grandmother's yard, Albatross would hide and pounce on the dog's back. And dig her claws into the back of the dog and ride it like a horse. I oh saw my it. God. And she would ride the dog out of her yard and the dog wouldn't come back. <laughs> she did it over and over and over. 
And she was a huge cat, like fatty. She was probably, I mean, I don't know how much she weighed, but she was enormous. She was like abnormally large, as was fatty. Fatty was abnormally large, like Andre the Giant of Cats. He was crazy. Fatty was an indoor-outdoor cat. So we always left a window open for him so he could come and go as he pleased. And over the years, he brought me a raccoon that he had killed. Oh, my God. Killed a fucking raccoon. He brought me possums. Possums are invincible. No, Fatty killed a possum. Um, He brought me snakes. Some of them were alive. I don't know how the fuck he caught a snake, but he did. He caught more than one snake, actually. He brought me a parakeet. He had caught a pet parakeet that was apparently our neighbor had a parakeet that had gotten out of its cage and flew out the window and fatty fucking caught a parakeet flying out the window, brought it home and dropped it in our hallway. And I was watching TV with my mom and I went, that's a parakeet. And it was alive and we kept it for like a year and a half. And finally, one day my mom was talking to neighbor telling the neighbor about how fatty had brought me this parakeet. And the neighbor was like, I think that's my parakeet. (laughs) And it was our neighbor's parakeet. But they were like, well, I'm not going to take it back from your daughter as an adult. So we kept the parakeet. But fatty did end up killing the parakeet because we had to hang the parakeet from the ceiling because fatty was like, oh, I brought that for dinner. You weren't supposed to put it in a cage and keep it. So he would jump on the dining room table which was the closest piece of furniture to the birdcage and jump at the birdcage and try to get on the birdcage that was at the ceiling. And he finally gave the bird a heart attack. The bird dropped dead of a heart attack. (laughs) It's from Fatty. Fatty was hysterical. Fatty. Okay. So my dad married his second wife, Jan, and we were living in the log cabin and Jan loved Cocker Spaniels. So we got, we started getting Cocker Spaniel puppies. (laughs) Fatty figured out how to open a doorknob. So he would push the door and jiggle the doorknob until the door opened and would go and beat the fuck out of that dog every day. Every day we'd come home and that the door would be open and the puppy would be like, oh, 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 we figured out Fatty was opening the door and beating the dog up. Crazy. What else did Fatty bring me? Fatty brought me a flying squirrel once. Flying squirrels are very rare and they're very hard to find. Yeah, so are parakeets. (laughs) Yeah, so are parakeets, right? But he brought me this flying squirrel and he brought me most of the time, he brought me the animals alive. Almost all the time. He killed the raccoon and he killed the possum. I think in his brain, he thought these items are for dinner and these items are a gift. I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating that Fatty, the dentist, as he was hunting, <laughs> was like, these are for dinner. But he brought me this flying squirrel once. And um, flying squirrels are really hard to catch. So I'm chasing this flying squirrel through the house. And the flying squirrel goes up my stairs. So I go up the stairs after it with a towel. I'm thinking I'm going to throw a towel on the squirrel and scoop it up and take it outside. As soon as I got to the top of the stairs, the squirrel turned around and flew down the stairs. <laughs> I watched the squirrel fly all the way down the stairs. I was like, oh, my God, that's a flying squirrel. Okay. Oh, you just thought it was a regular squirrel? Yeah, I didn't know. They just have this, like, 
additional piece of skin here. So they really, they glide. They don't fly. They like glide from tree to tree. So he just glided. And I was like, oh, that's okay. That's a flying squirrel. I finally, I don't remember how I got him out, but I finally got him out of the house. He brought me birds, rabbits, um, turtle one time, frogs. Then he got in this Mm -hmm. habit of bringing me the frog, but only eating the legs. So he'd leave the upper body. <laughs> he'd just eat the legs off. Oh, it's so disgusting. Uh, frog legs are good, man. Fry those suckers up. Put some butter on them. We have some fried frog, frog, frog legs, legs dinner. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're pretty good. I didn't really like them, but people in the South. Here, let's see if she. Oh, <gasps> is that a kitty cat? What was that? There's my hat um, on the door to um, tell people that okay. I am recording in progress. <laughs> anyway, I wax poetic about my cat, but Fatty was pretty amazing. And I was the same. He was like my brother. He, he went through everything with me, went through so many divorces, so many moves. I went to six different schools in 12 years from kindergarten to 12th grade. He went to every school with me. Um, and when he passed away, I felt very similar. I felt like part of me died, like a real part of my life died. And it was very, very hard. Um, I think I was lost for a long time without fatty. He was such a big part of my, who, of like, not who I was maybe, but how I coped. He was how I coped. And then when you take that coping mechanism away, it was really devastating. Um, especially when you grow up learning to cope from that one thing, because my kids have many animals. We have two chickens, three dogs, a cat, and they can kind of spread it around a little bit. I only had fatty. So I think, I think that's probably one of the reasons I wanted more than one animal because that's a lot. It was a lot to recover from, you know, when Priscilla went, we still have all these other animals that we still have to love and care for. And when Fatty went, there was just this huge black hole and there was nothing else to to lean on, right? So yeah, I'm in like the the mindset of like I don't I, I don't want another dog anytime soon because I do not want to feel that again. Cause I get attached to the dog so hard and I just love them so much and it's unconditional on both sides. And it's just like so difficult. And then like, I don't want to feel that again. Like wait till you have children. (sighs) Just wait till you have children. You look at them and you go, wow, wow. They're almost like, they're almost going to move out. Like I'm starting to really miss my kids before they've even left. So a lot of kids in the the new generation, the new generation are like not <laughs> are like not moving out. Like even even my generation, millennials, they're they're not moving out. A lot of them still are are struggling to like go into the real world because minimum wage you can't live off of minimum wage, which is kind of messed up. Um, it is a crazy time, and I mean they'll go away to college but I wouldn't be surprised if they came right back. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went to college here and lived at home. I we think that's kind of what you do now, like these days, you have to, I mean, your parents have to pay for college and then you move back home. That's right. We have a special guest. Are you still doing a podcast? Is I this am. A, this is a celebrity appearance. 
It's a celebrity. What'd you say? You have a meeting that starts in six minutes. Oh, I have a meeting that starts in six minutes. Do you want a pecan? What's my other thing? I don't know what this is, but a okay. turtle. Gross so I guess we should wrap it up. Speaking of killing turtles, wait, where did you get that? Did we buy these? Where did you get it? For where did you know. get it? I have no idea. Where was it? Was it, was, it in our closet? Yeah. No, that's Tatum stuff, babe. Did you seriously get it out of the closet? I didn't know. Why would it be in our I fucking I told closet? you everything that belonged to us was on the kitchen island. Why would it be in our closet? Is fucking... this seriously? It was in the closet, so the dog Baby. and somebody... You're, you're shitting me. Baby, why would you put it in our fucking... Well, now I have to find... I have to... How do I find that for her? Baby, why would you put it in our fucking... How about this? Here's what I said to you. All that we own is on the kitchen island. So mm-hmm. why would you get it from somewhere else? Is there nothing on Kitchen Island? Yes, there is. It was just There's chocolate-covered ovens and two things of cashews, and that's all we own. Was, why would you put it? You put it in with our candy. It's our candy. Why would you put it on top of our candy? I was talking about our bedroom closet. I call that room the pantry. You got it out of the pantry? Yeah. Then it's ours, you motherfucker. The closet is where you put your clothes. The pantry is where you put your food. If you guys want more antics oh, like this, check out the podcast. Freaking panic me. Why don't you? They're fucking good. You have like gifts for your friends, your kids' friends or something in the closet? Oh, Scout Troop Leader. One of my Girl Scouts has chocolates they haven't picked up yet for their customers. So I thought he had eaten one no, of her it was, it was customers' products. You said closet. It's also a closet. No, it's not. It's a pantry. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, the fuck <laughs> You can't get them. Like this is it. You get your you get your delivery and you're done. There's no way for me to get something else. I would have. Oh, thank you for podcasting with me today. Oh, you're very <laughs> welcome. It was nice to talk about the uh, the pets. Actually, it was nice. You know, I was thinking about that. I've been wanting to talk about pets for a while, which just seems very fluffy and whatever. But but pets are so important, and uh, you know, especially. Now, when we're all stuck and lonely, pets can be such a source of comfort and stability and company. And um, they're just so important in life, I think. Um, so I'm glad we talked about that. And your new place. I'm super happy for you. I'm super happy That's for you, awesome. too. Are you talking about his car? No, he got a new place. And now he has his own studio in his in his apartment. He's got a three-bedroom apartment. Um, his car is pretty good looking, too. Yeah, you got a pretty good looking car too. I have a new car, new apartment. I'm a new man. I have long hair. Time to have a baby. <laughs> Maybe not yet. Don't let my girlfriend hear that. <laughs> it's super easy. You cut the top off your condom, wear it like a wristband. <laughs> and on that note, thank you, Halston. <laughs> You're very welcome. 